Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Good morning. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo with Mike Golick Jr. That is me. With me, as always, the man who showed up at halftime and helped the Mud Dogs win the Bowman Bowl, Brandon Newman. Brandon, what's going on? Do you remember 21st night of December? September. Damn it. I, <laughs> December? How about you just... How do you walk in? You're the Bro. one that reminds me that it's Earth, Wind, and Fire Day. And then you walk in and just completely body bag it with a month that's three months away. <laughs> Bro, I am, I'm like Hall of Fame levels of f***ing up or something. <laughs> it's just like, like I need my brain to come on. Well, you know what? Your brain was halfway there. You 50% loaded because I forgot we were in Earth, Wind, and Fire range. So, happy Earth, Wind, and Fire Day to all who observe that holiday here. Exactly. Uh, happy day to everyone who is joining this podcast, as always. We appreciate you downloading, subscribing, rating, and reviewing Gojo wherever you get your podcast. Leaving us a five-star five rating and a review and checking us out on YouTube so you will understand the very visual gag that I made about Brandon uh, Brandon Newman wearing a Bobby Boucher um is it southeastern Louisiana state mud dogs oh my gosh Mike I don't know I don't know I know the movie came out in 1998 I, I thought it was the SCLSU mud dogs so that's all I can remember I had the right. same Bobby Boucher jersey so I feel bad he's kind of that I wonder how that movie is like was received in Louisiana because I never really thought about it from that True. perspective. And then I remember because when we went through everything with Ed Orgeron being the head coach at LSU, they really didn't like everyone doing the impressions of Ed O that were so popular everywhere. So I wonder how they felt about what happened with Bobby Boucher and the Mud Dogs. That I know, being I mean, said, yeah, no, please continue. I just I just wanted to mention that Joe Montana was a quarterback. You crazy asshole. <laughs> so, again, check out the DraftKings YouTube page. Go, go, oof. We're both we having trouble doing words to start the show today, Let's man. Do it. We're going to get there, though, because as you go to the DraftKings YouTube page, subscribe and check out Gojo with Mike Golick Jr. playlist on there. We do have a great show for you guys today here as far as things you can see and hear. Dallas Cowboys running back Ezekiel Elliott is going to be joining us on behalf of the DraftKings Rainmakers initiative that you guys should definitely be checking out here. Going to talk with Zeke about the season. Obviously, huge swing from week one to week two for the Cowboys. Dak Prescott gets injured and you lose to the Bucks, And then you go back home and are able to beat the Cincinnati Bengals, last year's AFC champions, with Cooper Rush at quarterback. Lots to get into with Zeke and what goes forward with this team. We've also got a mailbag episode today. I've teased it a couple of times on social. Yes. Finally going to make good on that. You guys were kind enough to send in some mailbag questions, so we're going to knock those off 
at the end of the podcast here after the Ezekiel Elliott interview. But Brandon, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up the fact that I think you got got by the internet today, and I thought you got got by the internet today, but then as I kept looking on the internet today, I wasn't really sure who was getting what by the internet today, but ultimately still believe you got got by the internet today. Because that LeBron James picture of him at the barbershop, supposedly, and I'm doing air quotes right now for people listening on the podcast, bald went viral and you were the first person to tweet that at me this morning saying LeBron James had come on home. A lot of people have pointed out that this is clearly a filter and you can see some of the halo effect around his head. Brandon, as you've had now 24 hours to digest this, where do you fall on the supposed baldness of LeBron James? Mike, if what you say is true, disappointed yet again. Not that I got got, but that the the excitement has ended. It was like when Anthony Davis on uh, the fourth of fourth first of July, first, April Fool's Day, fake shaved his unibrow. Like I was like, I was actually kind of happy for him. I was like, oh, growth change. Maybe this would be a new player. And then he Michael Strahan us, man. He 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 had the gap the entire time. I don't know how I feel about this. I was really excited because all of the great NBA legends, Kobe Bryant. Michael Jordan, they all ended their careers coming on home. Like they were, they had hair at one point in time and they came on home, Mike. And, and you look beautiful with your bald hair, head right there, right now. I've also uh, picked up on a trend on this podcast. Usually tell me I'm looking great when I'm not wearing a hat and just have my hair in full luxurious, like uh, my full crown on. Uh, shout out to DraftKings. But I'm a little disappointed that LeBron James didn't just give us something new going into the season yeah I'm with you Brandon I think it's long been time for that it seems like more trouble than it's worth it's not like LeBron was able to get the kind of plugs that you can really hide it with where the hair is super long he didn't do the Jimmy Butler and get the fake locks put in that would honestly be the funniest (laughs) twist in all this if LeBron saw that and just decided he wanted to hop on the trend and get fake dreads the way Jimmy Butler did that would be other than going bald the only acceptable form of LeBron James hair news that I want to digest yeah I, yeah the fact that LeBron James uh, completed his cycle of being bald is not that big of a news now if he came out there like Willow Smith I shake my hair back and forth Whew. now now I don't even know as a LeBron fan I got scared just now I was like I don't know how I would handle that like how would I be able to defend that I mean, it depends on if he stays healthy. If LeBron stays... It's like when LeBron used to wear the headband, and then at halftime, if he was having a shit game, he would take the headband off. Yes. That would be LeBron James with this hair. If he had a bad first half, he'd come back out in the second half and just be back to a very bad fade. With the toupee. I'm trying to think what office character famously had a toupee, and it was a surprise. Uh, probably thinking about just like general television and, and chalking it up to the office. Well, I mean, Steve Carell's character, Michael Scott, I mean, if you look at season one to season two, definitely got some work done on his hair. Ooh, oh, 
Yes. He was very balding in season one of that show. And then for the rest of the series, somehow worked himself. He did like crazy stupid. It was like in the beginning of Parks and Rec when Chris Pratt started off as Andy and he yes. was fat and dumpy. And then he went and did the um, the Guardians of the Galaxy movies and came back. It was just jacked one season and we had no idea why. I need to know where along the timeline or even, even timed up in the office of when he did crazy stupid love because it feels like he got that kind of glow up for Michael Scott in the middle the show you're actually 100 right because the show was failing they were thinking about canceling it and then crazy stupid love came out and everybody went to see michael scott uh during on the weekdays as well um but back to uh chris pratt the best line on that show and i hope it was an improv one because i know he does that sometimes on parks and rec he said whenever when he came back the last season all cut up and i think they were in england or something he's like andy how'd you lose all this weight he's like Oh, I just stopped drinking beer. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it absolutely was when they went over to England. And I so pray good. that that was also improvised. Uh, what a beautiful moment. So, man. LeBron James, if you're listening to this for some reason, man, I hope that this was him trying it on and using the filter to sort of send up a trial balloon for how this would be received. And yes. I hope that he saw it was received well and he can feel comfortable walking into this next phase of his life because we all need a shepherd to help bring us into this moment here. I figured LeBron James would have had plenty of friends right now, but he's a guy that lives his life on social media and in front of the public. And so maybe he needs to see it received there. For me, it was Bamani Jones who finally sent me the message that I needed to come on home, one that I greatly needed to hear. And so maybe our collective power is the internet that helped get that clause out of Kyler Murray's contract can also convince LeBron James that it's going to be just fine when he finally goes bald but um Brandon not the only NBA news in the last 24 or 48 hours and uh on a much more I think interesting and potentially impactful front we talked a lot about Suns and Mercury owner Robert Sarver being suspended a year and fined 10 million dollars after allegations of racism sexism inappropriate comments made in the workplace over the course of 17 years with the Phoenix Suns and the Phoenix Mercury. And we had talked about on this podcast that based on that punishment, without video or audio evidence, they weren't really going to only go so far because they don't have to. And I'd imagine most other owners probably have a little bit more of that on their resume than they'd like to admit or would like to ever be found out. And we said it would once again fall in the lap of players. And we know LeBron James and Chris Paul both came out with statements, LeBron on Twitter, but Draymond Green, who now has one of the biggest microphones in the league, Draymond Green, whose podcast over the course of the NBA playoffs as they're going to the NBA Finals, became must-listen audio for a lot of people, went on his podcast and said that he wanted to see a vote by the NBA owners to potentially vote out Robert Sarver. He said, I'm asking that there be a vote. It's a little baffling to me that we'll walk into the arena next year. The Phoenix Suns will walk into the arena. He'll sit on the sideline and we'll just continue playing. So the one thing that I'm going to need is someone to explain to me why is that it is it, uh, why is it that it was okay to get rid of Clippers owner Donald Sterling, but it's not possible to force Robert Sarver to sell after what we read. I'm asking that there be a vote. If that's the only way, then let's see what those numbers are. Let's see what they are. Essentially saying, I want to see who's on our side as far as the people that are at the helm of these teams. And Brandon, I don't think Draymond Green's voice alone is going to be enough on this. And I don't think LeBron James' voice alone is going to be enough on this. Because they all, 
I think like Adam Silver, and they all tried to qualify their statements by saying, I love Adam, you know, we like Adam Silver, we think he's generally done a lot of good things for this league, but he got this wrong. They stopped short of really pointing the gun at Adam Silver and saying, hey, what are you going to do about this? And so, I don't think those are going to be enough on their own. I am curious if this gives a lot of other NBA players and a lot of other Suns and Mercury's players the room and the freedom to feel like they can come forward and say more as we get towards media days coming up, as we get towards the start of the NBA season, where I'm sure, especially in Phoenix, this is going to be a topic of conversation for Monty Williams, for everyone else on this team, people whose voices are well-respected around this league, and what they might potentially do with it. PayPal has already come out and said in a statement that they will not be back as a sponsor for the Suns if Robert Sarver comes back with the team after his year suspension is up. And that's the other part of this. If you were fucking with the cash, things might change a little bit. More, right. If you ask me to call it right now, I would say that ultimately nothing ends up getting done because this is easy to say as a one-off and I think hard to rally a lot of people around unless... You have Draymond Green and LeBron and all of these other guys having a conversation and wanting to coordinate some kind of effort. We have seen in the past when the issues are serious enough, and a lot of this went on around what happened in the NBA bubble, the Jacob Blake shooting in Wisconsin, the resulting action from the Bucks and from the rest of the league, what this league can do when motivated and when they're able to communicate and act together on this it just still, for me, remains to be seen if this is something that will rise to that level across the NBA. Because LeBron James is used to having to answer questions about what people want or expect to hear from him. When an issue comes up around the league, LeBron's one of those people everyone turns to right away and says, what are you going to say about this? Draymond Green is now partially media, new media, whatever you want to call it. And so he's going to react to these topics because he's filling out a rundown every day. And I'm sure he is genuinely passionate about this, but he's a content creator. He's got a place to put this and a reason to put it there. I'm wondering if for the rest of the NBA, if it'll rise to that level where there will be some collective action and again the one voice I am still going to be interested if we hear from on this is Steph Curry who just recently in that article expressed remorse about not boycotting the game when it came to Donald Sterling when they were going out there to play the Clippers in the postseason so we're seeing a trickle of this stuff out in a way that could ultimately affect the outcome I don't feel like it's going to be enough yet but I am very curious to put a pin in and watch how this goes in the coming month month and a half Mike, you said you want to hear something from Steph Curry. Obviously, he's already kind of admitted that he has some regrets, like you said. The person I'm waiting to see is one part of that social justice initiative that we saw at the ESPYs that one time with LeBron James, Carmelo Anthony, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Paul, who is directly in Phoenix under the Suns and... I'd be interested in what the players think there, Mike. Like, I, I hope that Draymond is speaking for them right now. As a new media member, as someone who has uh, a little less skin in the game, not being getting paid by uh, the Phoenix Suns and Robert Server, I hope that this is echoing sentiments from Chris Paul and the rest of that team because I do think it's the people on that team, the millionaires that are are getting paid, demanding that something change happens, that they get a new boss that possibly can make the change. Because I think a lot of stuff that happened with uh, Donald Sterling was a lot of the Clippers, Chris Paul included, speaking out 
at that point in time. So I, I feel like they have to speak, but I don't know if they have the leverage to do so. So I, I think two things, um, a few things here. One, I, I don't necessarily want to hear from Steph Curry. I just think that based on what he said, his voice is one that seems like if he was remorseful in the way he described, would be a part of this conversation. The other part of this is, we did hear from Chris Paul. So Chris Paul said, this conduct, especially towards women, is unacceptable and must never be repeated, he wrote on Twitter. I am of the view that the sanctions fell short of truly addressing what we can all agree was atrocious behavior. My heart goes out to all the people affected. So, again, critical. Says something. But still doesn't go to that next step that Draymond Green went to here. And that's going to be the interesting part now is, does Draymond Green saying this out loud? Because we see this all the time. I remember during 2020 when players in college were starting to speak up about the protests going on around the country. Trevor Lawrence was one of the early players to come out in Clemson and voice and have his teammates back. Look at his black teammates and say, basically, I'm going to stand with you and spoke out about that in a way that then gave members of his team who were more in line with those who wanted to be activists on this front, those who wanted to speak out about this, the safety and the space to go and make those statements because their star quarterback, who this organization and the school wasn't going to touch, came out there and set that precedent. I right. wonder if Draymond Green, for players that, like you said, may feel like they have comparatively less control in a league where the players have more control than most others, might give them the space or might just get the idea in people's heads. And if Draymond's talking behind the scenes, basically saying, hey, if we put enough public pressure on them to do this in the right spots, eventually they're going to have to answer. That's the part that seems like this could be a spark. And that's kind of what we've got right now is we've got a spark. I don't know if it's going to catch. I don't know if it's going to light, but this is definitely a spark. And Draymond Green... I think unsurprisingly, given what we know about him, is the one that felt comfortable to step out in front and say, here's what I think that we should have happen. I will state it very plainly, and I will put the pressure on the people in this league that always claim to be on our side and claim to support us when things go wrong to actually step up and do that when it might not be something beneficial to them. That's going to be the part of this that's tough to discern going forward is who else is going to join that rallying cry. Now I'm obsessed with the concept of a spark for a story. Maybe like the spark scribe, like a, a newsletter that's just reporting on the sparks around like, hey guys, Ooh. peep, peep game. Go. Listen, free, free game out there for you here. Listen to my friend Brandon Newman. He's trying to help you out. <laughs> um, that is what's going on in the world of the NBA right now. For more on what's going on in the world of the NFL, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we are going to talk to Dallas Cowboys running back Ezekiel Elliott about the 2022 season and about the DraftKings Rainmakers initiative. Hey, Dad, what do you do when you're out with friends? The waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order, but the whole table freezes up and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help. Mm, that's a great question. So what, what should I do? You should have some confidence, Dad, or as our friends at Jägermeister call it, shotfidence. If everyone's having trouble ordering, here's what you do. You take charge, you grab the bull by the horns, you find that dog in you, and you make an executive decision. And just order for the table, a round of ice-cold Jägermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently, we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. Did not know that. How should we be drinking it? Glad you asked, Dad. We should be drinking it ice-cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit. 
Well, that brings up other things that I love ice cold as well. And I'll tell you right out of the gate, that's going to be a candy bar pulled out of the freezer. That's my way of eating candy. Oh, I love it. On the golf course out there, you get to the turn in the middle of the round there and you get to that little clubhouse there and they've always got the candy bar options. And I always see they've usually got a little box of them in the freezer and it always makes it better on a hot day out on the golf course, taking a bite of that cold, cold chocolate and getting ready to go for the rest of my round. It's the same way with Jägermeister. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. All right, excited to talk to Dallas Cowboys all-everything running back Ezekiel Elliott, who is coming here uh, in partnership with the DraftKings Rainmakers Project, which we're excited to talk to you about. Obviously, something we know a ton about here. But uh, first and foremost, man, two weeks into the season, how are you feeling right now, personally? Uh, you know, I feel good. Uh, you know, I feel like you know we're kind of you know starting to. I think last game we had we had some some good momentum in the run game, and uh, you know I think we've been running it pretty well, and so. I think you know. The, I think that run game is going to be coming together uh, pretty good, uh, pretty soon. Well, I mean, for you starting off this season, I feel like there's already been a lot of attention on you just for the helmet alone. Like, what's it like having the most talked about helmet in pro football right now? <laughs> um, I mean, I think I think a lot of memes, a lot of stuff people are saying is hilarious. Uh, it definitely looks like a motorcycle helmet. You know, I like the I like the Power Rangers memes. Um, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I love the Power Rangers memes. I, I love Power Rangers growing up, so I mean, I always wanted to be a Power Ranger. Now I'm a Power Ranger, so uh, no. But I mean, the helmet actually is super comfortable. Uh, it's, it's, it's way lighter than the helmet. The helmet I've been wearing, so um, I mean, I, lo- I love it. So it's actually functional. It doesn't just make you look like a superhero that we all grew up wanting to be like. Yeah, no, it's functional. <laughs> That's awesome, man. No, it's it's been cool to see. I saw I saw Halo helmet and I saw Power Rangers helmet, but I think I saw edited you as a Power Ranger, so that one definitely checks out. Um, but you said got some momentum going this past week for you guys. The, being the Dallas Cowboys, you're always going to be the most talked about team in football. But week one goes about as bad as possible, not only with the loss, but losing your starting quarterback, Dak Prescott, to injury. What was the conversation like coming off that game for you guys in the locker room? Are you used to this kind of adversity, or was there still for you and some of the other leaders on the team kind of a moment where you had to get everyone together and calm this thing down? Uh, you know, I think I think we're used to this adversity, and then also, you know, what you got to understand is, uh, you know, when you play for the Cowboys, um, you could be eight and two, and then you'll lose the game, and, and the world's gonna panic over the Cowboys. You're gonna, you know what I mean? So, I mean, you got the the week week one uh, over overreactions, and uh, you know, we didn't we didn't play very well, you know, in that in that in that first game, um, and you know, we lost our quarterback, we lost lost our guard, Connor McGovern. Um, so I mean, there was there were some questions going into that second game, but uh, you know I think it it kind of shows you know the type of uh, the type of locker room we have. I think it shows um, the type of guys we have uh, to just you know be faced with that opportunity, faced with that adversity and, and uh, prevailing. And. Dak Prescott, who you mentioned, unfortunately, we've seen him have to deal with with injury time and you know a couple of times before this. I know he's a guy you're super close with. How's he doing? Like when he when you see that happen for him, for a guy that you know as well on and off the field as you do, you know what was your first thought and what did you see from him in this? 
Um, you know, I didn't even know what to think uh, at first when he came out the game. And, uh, you know, I think I just kind of always – I never assumed the worst. And so uh, I think I think once he told me he broke it, I was like, oh, wow. Um, but, uh, I mean, I, he's doing good. Um, you know, he's, I know, you know, everyone knows, you know, the type of type of uh, player he is, um, the type of pro he is. So he's going to be doing anything and everything he can uh you know, get get back as fast as he can, uh, you know, as safely as he can. But um, you know, I think he's been he's been good spirits and he's been around the been around the facility, been around the locker room, just uh, you know, doing what he can to to help prepare us uh for for this well, next game. Well, how's the locker room reacting to it? Obviously, it's probably better to see him out there and, and moving around. But losing a guy like Dak Prescott, a, a guy that you know everyone looks up to as a leader, how's everyone kind of coming together and getting behind Cooper Rush right now? Um, you know, Coop is a guy. He's been around for 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 a minute now. Uh, I think he's going in year six. I think he spent five of them here in Dallas, and uh, so he's a guy. He knows his offense. Uh, he's a little quiet at times, but uh, you know, I, if you know Coop, you you know uh, you know he, he's super chill. Um, but more uh, more importantly, he knows his offense. Uh, so so he when he gets in the huddle. Um, you feel comfortable, you know. He, he know he knows what he's doing out there, and uh, I mean, I think he's going. He, he's he's more than good enough to get us through that through this through this little path. You said he's kind of a quiet guy here. Do you guys try and get him out of his shell at all here? How does that really? How does that show up around the locker room for you guys? Um, I mean, I think I would say he's quiet, but I don't think we try to do anything to get him out of his shell. Uh, I wouldn't say he's like shy. Um, but I mean, he's definitely. It's not like he's weird. <laughs> no, he's like cool. He's a super cool dude. He just he just don't 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 say much. <laughs> I just figure with backup quarterbacks, they're always really good at cards and really good at golf. That's usually what those guys end up being not nails at. Yeah. See, Coop Coop is handicap is two. <laughs> wow. Oh dang. So he's a good golfer. <laughs> no, he's he's really good at golf. See, are, there there are some stereotypes that are true, and backup quarterbacks being great at golf is always one of them. Yeah, he's really but good at golf. Before we get out of the locker room, uh, we played uh, Notre Dame together, offense line and defense line. We played with Zach Martin, uh, the, the homie. Did uh, did he lose any money? Did you guys put any wagers on that that first game of the season, Ohio State Notre Dame, or how'd that play out? Uh, just a little a little, little bragging rights, uh, you know. Didn't put any any money on it. Um, but I mean, I think I think we knew the, the Buckeyes were going to take care care of business. <laughs> it, it, on the Zach front there, because I think for you, Dak, Zach, and a couple other guys in this team, you've been around for so long. You guys have been the core of this offense. As you look around at so many of the new faces out there, Tyler Smith that you've got now at left tackle after the injury to Tyron Smith earlier this season. You mentioned Connor went down early on in this. You guys signed Jason Peters to the practice squad. How have you guys viewed the changes in this team as some of the leaders who have been here through a lot of this? Um, you know, it's, it's definitely super weird. Uh, you know, this is the one that, that I'm in year seven to uh, just, I mean, there's, there's so much turnover in this league. And, and uh, I mean, it seems like a lot of times just when you're starting to get to know a guy, might not be in their locker room anymore. But, uh, I mean, it's just something that, you know, you got to, I mean, it's just part, it's part of the nature of the game. And, and uh, we gotta evolve, and we gotta you know bring these new guys in, and we gotta uh, you know you got we gotta teach them our culture. We gotta make sure that uh, you know that they that they they understand uh, you know how things are done done around here. And uh, but I think you know we've been also blessed you know just to get some young guys that 
that that that are uh, they're hungry. I mean, they they love this game, and uh, you know they're 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 um, looking looking for looking for someone to lead them. So you mentioned going in, in in year seven now for you being a veteran in this league. We always hear people say they're in the best shape of their life. They come back feeling good. But for you, how much do you tweak your process in the off season, getting ready for the season as you've grown and as you become a veteran in this league? Uh, you know, I think it's all it's all a, it's all a, it's all a process, and, and I think you know every year um, your process is going to evolve. Um, you know, because I think every year medicine is changing. Uh, you know, what I mean, there's there's different different things uh, to do, but I think you just gotta. You know, I think it's all trial and error. Also, like you got to, you got to try. I think it's important to, you know, try, try new stuff. And and uh, but I mean, I think you you got to also do what do what ultimately makes you feel good. So you got you know what the, your staples are going to be. How much has that process changed now with Tony Pollard being in that backfield with you? Before, when you were there, you were taking so much of the pounding on a week in week out basis, and now to have another guy in that room that you guys trust to go and give you great touches in that game, does it change your approach to a game at all? As far as hey, knowing you're going to feel fresher later on because there is more of a give and take with you two. Um, I'll say you know, yeah, like it. I wouldn't say it maybe changes the process as much but yes uh i have been, been fresher uh you know because because of you know having tony around and, and tony i mean he's, he's such a he's a great player he's so electric every time he touches the rock you know what i mean he probably he might take it to the crib um so i mean uh he definitely definitely helped help help keep me fresher okay well i want to move to the defensive side of the ball real quick talk about your boy michael parsons now, I, two instances. I just want to hear two quick stories. When did you know that he had that dog in him, and then when did you know that he was him? Um, I say like my first like I, like because like you you always you hear all these guys. Honestly, his class like they had like a lot. I think that his class was like the COVID year, so none of them went to the combine, and they all had like. They all had like crazy forties, and so he's like, "Yeah, I run four three. I'm like, "Yeah, you didn't run at the combine, so like I don't know if I counted four three. <laughs> and then like, one day he just like it was one day in OTAs, and like, he ran up on me like and, like his closing speed was so crazy. I'm like, "Man, no, you really are four three, man." Like, and uh, I mean the dude is he's he's a freak athlete. The dude he he can play any sport. He's a good bowler. We had a home run derby. He hit like fifteen home runs. Like <laughs> the dude could do do it all. Um, but I mean, and then I would say, you say when I realized he was him, I would say, um, I mean, you you see him last year. We we really let him rush. We we let him rush, but like you know, he's a rookie. You could, they didn't really want to put too much on his plate. So like, kind of let him learn linebacker, and then they start letting him rush rush at end. Um, but I'll say this off season. He really was like, like he probably spent half, like half the days he'll play DN and OTAs. Half the half the days he'll he'll play he'll play um, linebacker. And I mean, this dude is he's a demon. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I mean, every week uh, they they do like a get off contest. Uh, it's like for five yards. And I mean, I'll say probably Michael's one on that race like. Like all the, the special team does like a five yard get off, and, and Michael runs every weekend. Uh, I mean, he's won probably ninety percent of the time. Uh, Damn. So I mean, the dude is dude is fast. Uh, he's strong. Uh, he can really do it all. But I mean, the way the way 
when I saw him rushing this this off season, like I mean, he's almost impossible to block. The dude is a beast. I feel bad for all those guys having to block him. I'm happy on my team. <laughs> yeah, no, I thought of uh, I thought of Lel Collins last week, your former teammate who's playing with the Bengals now, who I'm sure saw him in practice plenty, but seeing him at game speed, man, that was a uh, that's a tough ask and a tough out for anyone that's gonna line up across from that dude. Although I did want to ask you because week one. Leonard Fournette had the chip against Micah Parsons that went kind of viral and there was all this discussion. Von Miller was saying he wanted to take chip blocks out of the game because you're hitting these guys from the blind side here. Were you surprised that so many people were mad about something that's been as part of the game as chip blocks have for you in the running back room for a long time? Uh, yeah, I think I think it's a little I think it's a little weird that that one. But I mean, like I said, like when you play for the Cowboys, like they just want to. I mean, you know what I mean. It's gonna. It's gonna. It gets amplified, and and so I mean that's. I mean that's Michael Parsons. That's our best player getting, getting chipped. You know what I mean. So I mean they're gonna. It's gonna bring up a lot of discussion. But I mean, I've been chipping since I've been in the league. Uh, you know, and I've had probably a bunch of that looked like that or way worse. Uh, and uh, I mean, I think it's been part of the game. Uh, I mean, it's not a dirty play. Um, until they take it out, but uh, I mean, yeah, it's been it's been part of the game. I mean, that's a big part of the game. I mean, for me, if I'm playing against a guy like Michael Parsons, I told Michael, I'm like, Michael, if you play, if I played against you, I'd be chipping you all day. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sorry. Like, that's how. That's the only way we're gonna be able to block you. <laughs> and it's just a chip. You got something else to do yeah. right after that. <laughs> Well, shoot, I mean, but also, like, I, you got you got to change your rush pattern. You can't just, if you see the back over your, to your side, you know what I mean? Maybe you're not going to be able to, to, to rush, you know, on the outside. You're going to have to rush down down the middle of the, or make an inside move on that tackle. So that's a conversation that you've had with Micah, talking about that stuff here. How much time do you spend with some of the younger guys like that? Like Tyler Smith, the rookie on your guys' offensive line who worked at guard all camp and now is working at tackle. How much do you spend talking to him about, hey, this is what I'm seeing from my angle back here, and this is kind of how it affects you? Um, I just think, like, you know, at just any time, you know what I mean, you can give give a younger guy a nugget or something, you know, that I can take with them to, to help improve their game or – or, you know, help improve that chemistry. I think you got to take advantage of all those opportunities. And so, you know, anytime I, I see, you know, I might need to do that, you know, I'll, I'll definitely uh, do that. What stands out to you about Tyler so far from what you've seen? Um, I'll say, man, his strength, uh, he's, he's strong. He's strong. Uh, like, once he gets his hands on guys, they're not really, there's not, there's not really much they could do. Um, you know, I seen I seen him. He fought. I can't remember. It was it was in camp, but like he like he like struck one of our D linemen and like lifted him off the ground. And I'm just like this dude is like crazy strong, and I mean he got so much potential, and, and just like he's been learning so fast. Uh, I mean he played guard all OTAs, and then and really like a lot of camp, and then had to had to switch to tackle at the end of camp. And I mean he's just I mean he's getting better. Better and better every time we go on the field and just playing his tail off. It's been really impressive to watch, and for a young guy to make that adjustment, no doubt it takes 
a lot of mental fortitude as well as all that physical strength that you talked about there. You've mentioned a couple of times just being a Dallas Cowboy, how different it is. You don't know anything different. You've been a part of a major program in college at Ohio State. You've been a Dallas Cowboy your whole career, but I'm sure you've got friends and guys that you played with that are on other teams and see that. Are, are other people around the league kind of amazed with what you guys have to deal with on a consistent basis and always being the subject of the news no matter what you do? Um. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think, I think it's uh, I think it's something like that 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 is different, uh, and it takes a little time to get used to. Um, but I mean, it's just all part of it. Uh, you know, it's part of it's part it's part of it. It's part of it's not going to change anytime soon. And uh, I'd say it's a blessing. Well, uh, talking about specifically on the field. Ashley Nicole Moss, a friend of the show, says that the NFC East is the reality TV show of the NFL just because everyone wants to know what's going on. What do you think about the the rest of your uh, opponents in the NFC East right now? We got the Eagles doing their thing. Uh, you know, the Commanders got Carson Wentz right now. Giants seem competitive in a way that they haven't been able to. Uh, Saquon Barkley's kind of getting back after it. Uh, what do you think about the competition in the NFC East right now? So you know, I think the competition in the East is hot. Uh, you know, I think I think we we, we everyone has a good team. Uh, you know, the Giants are looking good. The Eagles are looking really good. I think you know, Commanders had a you know a little bad a bad week last week, but I mean they're they're a good defensive team, and you know they'll they'll only gonna get better once they get uh, Chase Young back. Um, but you know, I think I think we have a we have a good we got a good uh, good start to our season in NFC East, and I, you know I'm looking forward to. Now this weekend going going up to New York. It's going to be exciting. Uh, it definitely is one of the most talked about divisions every year in football. Uh, Zeke, before we get to some of the Rainmaker stuff here, I wanted to just ask you one word to describe some of the people in your building over there in Dallas, your coaches, your teammates uh, around there. So just I'm going to throw you a name. You tell me what you think of when I, when I say that name to you. Mike McCarthy. Uh, um... Pittsburgh. <laughs> Pitts, Pittsburgh. So, wait, how does that show up on a day-to-day basis? What does Mike McCarthy do that reminds you of Pittsburgh? Um, I would say there doesn't go a day that he doesn't bring up Pittsburgh. Uh, I think, uh, I mean, he, he, he's going to make his, his uh, Pittsburgh references uh, every chance he gets. <laughs> All right, Mike McCarthy, deeply Pittsburgh. Uh, Kellen Moore, what's the word? Uh, creative. Do you ever go to Kellen with all the creativity and just tell him to run the damn ball more? Um, you know, uh, not 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 in those words, uh, but but I think um, I think think Kellen. He just, I mean, he, I'm sure he he has like a a never ending playbook. Uh, all he does is he watches football, um, and I feel like even in his spare time, he's watching football and like drawing up plays and you know trying to. Trying to uh, you know create create something, but uh, yeah, love Keller. Uh, Dak Prescott, leader. That one that one seems pretty self explanatory. Uh, Zach yeah. Martin, <laughs> reliable. <laughs> that also, I say like and, he just like. <laughs> Like I think I've never seen him like like out of position. I've never seen him like like not in a good football position. Like always got like his feet in the ground. You know his hands inside. He's just man. He's, he's just so fun, fundamentally sound. <laughs> 
It's I feel like Zach and I always joked Zach Martin. I don't know what he does with all the money that he's made because I feel like if you went in his closet, he would still have the same khakis and button down that he wore on draft night when he met Jerry Jones. He's never been a guy that like. Have you gotten Zach to go out here and like buy anything expensive? Have you guys gotten him to like level up style wise at all? Because I feel like he's the true O lineman in that sense. Um, no, he definitely the true O lineman in that. And I'll say the one thing, uh, you know, I'll say he. He'll spend his money on us. He, he's a big, big whiskey collector. So he he has a he has a he has a huge whiskey collection. All right, that's always a good guy to know. Good house to be able to go over to whenever you get a mm-hmm. chance. Um, last one here, Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones. Um, <laughs> uh, shoot, the boss. <laughs> Is it, it, it that seems like such a different ownership situation? And obviously, he wears a lot of hats in that building. But we always, I think, view Jerry Jones from the outside as one, you know the face of the Cowboys in so many ways. For you on the inside, is there something that you guys see that we don't that you want people to know about Jerry Jones or who he's been to your organization? Uh, I mean, I think people people know know already you know that, that he's just a player's owner. I think the you know. If there's anything that we ever needed, uh, we could go to Jerry, and uh, you know he's gonna do his best to, you know, to, to help us better our situation and, uh, and and put us in the best situation. And I think uh, you know he cares a lot about his players, and and that's uh, really appreciated. I mean, he did also, I think, go on radio and say he wanted you to get more touches the other day. So I feel like that's also a guy you definitely want in your corner <laughs> with that. No, definitely. <laughs> All right, Zeke, we know you're here as a part of the DraftKings Rainmakers NFT football franchise. It's new this upcoming season. Fans can check out you, Lamar Jackson, Stephon Diggs, and Kevin Hart all in a great commercial together that you guys shot. It's 22 weeks of this season, including the playoffs. There's going to be a bunch of different prizes that people who are part of Rainmakers have access to, over a million dollars in cash and other prizes every week, where people are collecting NFTs of you and fellow players that they can use in their lineup so first off what did it mean for you to to kind of team up with the rainmakers promotion and have the nflpa be a part of this oh uh, you know it was super fun uh i'll say i was that the commercial shoot was i had a great time uh you know i had a good time with with Diggs and lamar um you know and uh it was, it was definitely fun uh doing the shoot but uh i mean i think it's super cool what drag kings got going on with the, the new rainmakers uh nfts and you know, I think it's a cool. Uh, it's, I think it's changing the game for sure. It definitely is, and I said it's kind of like trading cards. You get to open up a pack. It's like when a lot of us were kids, and that was so popular. So, when someone opens up a Rainmakers pack and they get a Zeke Elliott card inside there, they get a Zeke Elliott NFT, and you're on their team. What kind of player are they getting? What can they expect from you for the rest of this season? Shoot, man, you're getting one of the best running backs in the league. Uh, you know, I think I think we're starting to get our run game, our run game starting to pick up. So I think we're gonna be, you know, running the ball, you know, you know a good amount, and uh, you know, I'm gonna be available. Um, you know, I've only missed missed one game uh, from injury past past. Uh, I mean, my my whole career. So I mean, I'm gonna be available. There we go. Reliable, productive, and a part of a Cowboys team that's going to try and keep that positive momentum going after a win over the Bengals in Week 2. Zeke, we appreciate all the time, man. Best of luck, stay healthy, and hope everything keeps going well for you guys in Dallas. Appreciate you. Thank you. 
The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And now that the Boston Celtics have slayed the boogeyman in the Miami Heat, Boston fans, we feel a little bit more confident about the situation. You can decide right now, and if you're new to DraftKings, you can also check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, as promised, wanted to get to some mailbag questions today. It's Wednesday. It's the middle of the week. Even in the NFL season, life slows down a bit, and so it gives Mike. us a chance to kind of connect with people. Mike, how about we say thank you to our guest, the Stark running back for the Dallas Cowboys. How about we say 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 thank you to Ezekiel Elliott real quick? I mean, we said thank you to him at the end of the interview there. I didn't just say it again and be redundant. It was a good time. Thanks for coming, Zeke. I said it. How about that? Is that good? Do you feel better about things now, Brandon? I do feel like a, a, a loop has been closed. Yes, continue. Let's let's do mailbag. Yeah, we want to do mailbag stuff. So uh, submitted these from the fine folks on Instagram. At some point, we'll give the Twitter audience a look at this, but wanted to start with the gram first because y'all are your own special breed of weird, and I appreciate you. Um, these are all over the place, too. Some sports questions, some wild fast food questions here. Um, all over the map on this. So thank you guys for all getting the show. Um, as always, if you leave a question <laughs> in the five-star reviews of the Apple Podcast, those will be vaulted to the top of the pile. Those are the rules, so follow them accordingly. Uh, Brandon, let's start off with this one. Um, Jason Hernandez writes in, what's one fictional character that you would want to fight? Ooh. I have really a good. very easy answer for this. Has always been at the top of my list. Pauly from Rocky, Adrian's brother, is an Why absolute always... piece of shit. He is the oh. absolute worst. I hate that guy so much. All he does is sit there and whine and complain while he leeches off Rocky and Adrian about what Rocky's not giving him and how he's been wrong. And I can't stand him. Okay, that's fair. I'm going to let you get that off, mainly because Pauly's a racist... And uh, he got a lot of air that time. That too. I mean, yeah. <laughs> the white person. Yeah, that, yeah. He, he don't like black people either. Uh, <laughs> so listen, <laughs> this is the my character who I want to whoop. I want to put hands on, bro. Scar. Outside of him having the best song in Lion King, be prepared. Like, I think I would give Scar a nice kidney shot. Like, how dare he? Like, I, I understand he's a lion and he, I could possibly get really, really messed up. But, like, F dude, bro. Like, I want to put hands on him for what he did, for how he set up Simba, that trauma that he still probably had to get over after he took over Pride Rock. I got problems with Scar, man. And, I, and I'm, I'm going to say it like this. I'm going to say it like this. If I see him 
if I see him in Disney, if I see, if I see a stuffed scar in Disney, Mike, I might I might throw hands. I might throw hands. Oh, and can I tell you about TikTok real quick? Do you see this TikTok about Scar recently? Yes. Okay, I was just going to bring that up. So on TikTok recently, there was someone who did a deep dive into The Lion King. And for anyone that hasn't seen it, spoiler alert, Scar kills his brother Mufasa in a fit of jealous rage (laughs) to try and upset the balance of the pride. And this TikTok points out that lions aren't preyed upon by anything else in the wild there. And so we never see what happens to Mufasa's body when he is pushed at the bottom of that ravine. It is alluded to that the hyenas go and eat him. But in this TikTok... Yes? Okay, go ahead. But in this TikTok, it's shown that hyenas do not eat lion. And that no one else in that general food chain area eats lion except Mm -mm -mm. other lions. And so they then go and fast forward in the movie to when Scar is in the middle of a long monologue holding a skull. What is he? Um, it's it's the he's singing the song. Zazu is in the rib cage, and he's telling Zazu to sing another song. And it's when uh, Zazu says, "I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts, deedly deedly. There they are, standing in a row. Bum bum bum. Big one, small one, some as big as your head. That scene." So that scene, and while that is being sung, Scar is sitting holding a skull. And, as this TikToker further uh, goes and finds out, that skull is the exact shape and dimensions of a lion skull. Which Mm. leads to the conclusion Mm. that people think Scar ate Mufasa. And that's even more reason to want to put hands on, dude. You went out there and not only ate your own kind, you ate your own kin. Oh, but be prepared is so good, Mike. I told my kindergarten teacher that I was my favorite song, Lion King, and she called my mom. She's like, I think there's something dark about <laughs> I think there's something wrong with Brandon. I think there's something dark in him. <laughs> there's an evil in your son. <laughs> I need an old priest and a young priest. The power of Christ compels you. <laughs> we have to talk about Kevin. We have to talk about Brandon. Um, but yeah, what's the next mailbag question? <laughs> All right, the next mailbag question. Um, this comes from Katie. Who wins in a mascot fight? Eight ball the Clemson Tiger or Big Red the dub- Western Kentucky blood clot? Now, Man. I don't know what Big Red actually qualifies as. I think his origins are a little bit unknown. Jason Kirk over at the Friends at the Shutdown Full Cast wrote to me the premier piece on Big Red's background, and he may be from outer space, but... I'm willing to operate under the premise that he's a blood clot here, Brandon. So where are you going on this one? He's a hilltopper. It's the West Kentucky Which hilltoppers. Is... Uh, he's a big red blob. Know, hilltops are something that's on the top of the hill. He's a hilltopper. I say, I say, I say, a hilltopper wins uh, because it's the Majin Buu theory for for Dragon Ball Z. It's like he would just like eat. And absorb all of the blows, you know what I mean? Like get like punched and knocked down. He's like, Oh, that was good. <laughs> you know, like that I know that sounded a little bit like Elmo. But um That was that was definitely more Elmo than Majin Buu, <laughs> but I'll allow it. <laughs> but yeah, I gotta I gotta go with the Western Kentucky fam. So I'll say this eight ball has the biggest back of any mascot because <laughs> Eight Ball is one of those clothed mascots where it's like the uh, BYU Cougar 
that one that does the dance troupe routines. Yes. Where it's not like filled out with a bunch of fake fluff or anything like that. It's basically just over the body, and that man has to fully rack the uh, lat pull down machine because Ooh, yes. he is. He is extra wide. The wide load signs on the highway, that's for dude. He is about my height, maybe even a little taller, and double the size of my back. Great amount of respect for what 8-Ball's done in the weight room. The training matters to him. The process matters to him. Indicative of that program. But blood clot scared the shit out of me, man. At any time, the lights could go out. Freaks me out. No one's tougher than a blood clot. And I feel like for that reason, this one's got to go to Western Kentucky. Thank you. I just want to know what's going on in that person's life to... Katie, you said? What, what's going on with Katie that she has that through line? Clemson Tiger or the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers? I like where her head is. See, you're, you're, looking at, you're looking at gift horse in the mouth right now. I am just accepting blessings when they come my way. Don't block your blessings, Brandon. Life's too short. <laughs> Fair. All right. Um, best college atmosphere you ever played in? This one's from Scribe Meyer. Um I would say I always differentiated into two categories, Brandon. Um, the first was just pure atmosphere for a one-off, you okay. know, like actor in a limited series type thing. Yeah. And I go uh, Norman, Red Oklahoma. Lotus. We played uh, Oklahoma 2012, my fifth year, senior year, down in Norman. College game day was there. It was a night game. They striped Sam the stadium. Bradford. There were fireworks going off. It was awesome. And it helped that we went out there and actually beat them up. I think I think I so I'm calling the Oklahoma Kansas State game this weekend <clears throat> for Learfield. And I believe the stat is since 1999, Oklahoma's only lost 11 games at home. It's something ridiculous what? like that. Dang. And so to know that we are one of those 11 games is pretty cool and kind of adds to the way that I remember that. Yeah, that's big time. I like that a lot. Um, I would say for me, the USC trip, when we uh, beat USC at the end of the season, I think it was Tommy. Tommy was quarterback. Our junior year. It would have been 2010. Yes, 2010, yep, our junior year. Uh, obviously, it was so fun coming back home, and we talked about that story a little bit, but, like, we were losing that game, and we fought our way back, and it was what it was a mixture of us taking advantage of mistakes that they made and, uh, you know, a, a strong running game with uh, – who was it? Robert Hughes, a, a great defensive game by Brian Smith. Like it was just, it was like all the guys that aren't, that don't get the big headlines that were just making all the huge plays at that point in time in the season. It just felt really, really good to finish the season out with a win. USC is always an interesting one because the Coliseum is obviously a great venue, but the field itself is a dump. And by the time we oh. play there in November, they have to spray paint the grass to look green. So like Chicago bad. and South Bend rightly get crapped on for how it used to be when we had natural grass, but Southern Cal, that place is garbage by the end of the season. So the bad. other one I also want to shout out as far as consistent teams that we played, Michigan State. I always liked oh. playing up at East Lansing way more than I liked playing up at the Big House. The Big House, especially when you're down on the field, it's not like Death, Val Death Valley and uh, you know Neyland Stadium in Tennessee where they go up and they're really sheer and you feel like you're at the bottom of a cliff. 
The big house goes so far out and is so flat that, yes, it's loud, but it's not deafening in there. And it also doesn't look as big as it is from when you are down on field level because it's a bowl instead of, again, raising straight up. Michigan State, smaller stadium, a lot more of a hornet's nest. When we were in college, it was right around when 300 had come out. And so in the pregame, we used to play up there at night a fair amount. They used to run that scene from the movie where... King Leonidas says to the rest of the group of the 300, Spartans, what is your profession? And right when he says that, the whole student section would go, oh, oh, oh. And coming in as a visitor, it was equal parts intimidating and equal parts cool as hell. And I always had a lot of respect for the way they did business and night up in East Lansing. Honestly, and we keep going on, we can keep naming them back and back, but especially this week for Notre Dame, UNC is kind of cool. I never got to go down there and play, so I I oh, missed out on that trip. I never, I never, I thought I I traveled freshman year, and that was the only time I did. And it was it was like cool to see just how much money Michael Jordan had to be like, oh, this is the football stadium they built. <laughs> it is a nice, always good when you can see somebody's wealth. I would love to get to Chapel Hill. I heard it's beautiful campus, but I didn't get to travel for that game. I was back home getting drunk at the football house when that one was oh, going man. on. I have no idea um, why I traveled and you didn't as a freshman, but continue. You know, hey, listen, you were out there balling. You put me on my ass plenty of times freshman year. Who knows? <laughs> um, all right. Let's get to uh, this one. Uh, Aikla says, top five things to eat at Chili's. Stop. Get up. You, uh, go ahead. Have fun. Uh, this one to me is pretty easy. You start, and I can actually give you the top five things as you would build them as a meal. You start things off with a nice skillet queso. Comes out hot, get it with the chips there. You're feeling good, you're feeling right. Then you go up next and you want to start to get some protein in. The one place on earth where I will actually regularly consume boneless buffalo wings is chilies. So you rock those next after the skillet queso. Then, you're then, 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 there. Brandon, then... Entree, I'll give you two choices here. I went through a long phase where I used to go to Chili's every time and order grilled shrimp Alfredo. I'm talking like seven or eight years where that was the only entree I would order was grilled shrimp Alfredo. You are a special human being, Mike. That is insane. You are not at Red Lobster's. You are at Chili's. Shit was good as hell. You get a nice piece of Texas toast and you sop up all the Alfredo. Oh. How, what kind of pasta do they use for that? Um, like penne. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know what I was expecting, but like that is the worst possible thing. Like I was, should have thought, what would chilies use? Jeez Louise, penne. So if you if you don't want that, then I would suggest you go with tried and true. Probably what chilies is known most for the fajita trio, the crackling tray coming out. I'm sorry. I was looking at you. I, I was looking at you because I listen. Okay, yes. The, the I'll let you get your shit off. But Chili's is known for their baby back ribs. I mean, Chili's. So Chili's is known for the song about baby back ribs. I would say of the menu items, they would be much more readily known by the true Chili's heads 
the folks that are out here actually living it day to day in the chilly streets, they would be more known for the fajitas. Because being in that restaurant, it's like being at the hibachi place when they do the onion volcano. You haven't been to Chili's if you didn't have the experience of someone in your vicinity ordering the fajita tray so you could hear it crackling and coming out of there all hot and heading over to the table and they got to warn you like, hey, it's hot, be careful, don't touch it. That's the only thing that makes your Chili's experience 100% stamped and verified. You don't have to order it, but you've just got to be in the area when someone does it. And I would say that that is what it's much more known for than baby back ribs. Okay, I, I, want, I was going to sing the song, but I have to rebut this because you're right. The, the cheese on the fajita skillet is a little different. I think it, the, the cheese hits different. What do you? It's just shredded cheese. No, it's melted cheese. It's on the skillet, hardening and bubbling. No, it's not. There's they don't put the cheese right on top of it. They put this. they have the they have the meats up there. You get the chicken and you get the steak and you get the shrimp and then you get the vegetables on the side Listen, and then you have the cheese that you can sprinkle on. I am a a like the best thing about a, a burger from a fast food restaurant is the cheese on the wrapper. I'm a big where the cheese lies type of guy, and it's a big part of the the, the entire. <laughs> Experience. There's going to be a great children's book that comes out called Where the Cheese Lies. <laughs> where the Cheese Lies is very important. And where the cheese lies on that skillet is getting hardened and cracked. And, and I would say that is very impor- important. But also, I want my baby back. Uh, that is, when you go back and watch the YouTube video of those guys recording the Baby Back Rib song. I mean. The, Brandon. Yes. They put their foot all the way in that shit. It was yes. incredible. It's a triumph. It is an absolute triumph. So, much more known for the song than I think the actual Baby Back Ribs. But the song is a piece of Americana. It's a part of our history. It's a part of what we have to own as a people. The last thing of the fifth to round out the five would be the Molten Lava Cake. Finish it off with dessert. Now they are up. I think I think I heard rumors of them starting to serve an adult molten lava cake potentially. So something to keep an eye out for. Little Bailey's. They put some. Yeah, that. they put some liqueur in there or some shit. So mm-hmm. yeah, top five things to eat at Chili's: skillet queso, boneless buffalo wings, grilled shrimp alfredo, fajita trio, and molten cake. Boom, you're ready. Nice fountain diet coke to go along with that. In those glasses Stop. that have the little ridge, so they can stack them up when they're taking them back to the kitchen. Now we'll say now, no. Now we'll say this: they uh, Chili's got them the a nice handled mug. They that do they casually throw out there, and that's they care nice. About you. They that's care nice. about the experience, Brandon. They're a customer oriented business, and we love the shit out of them. Um. All right. Um. This one uh, comes from Bob Diesel after Kansas. Who's the biggest surprise three and O team in college football? And Ooh. for anyone that's unaware. I can read you some of the surprise teams as they currently sit right now. Um, because obviously Kansas, uh, we talked about that with Nicole Arbach yesterday. Rank Kansas, you fucking cowards. What they've done under Lance Leipold, whose name's now getting thrown around for the Nebraska job that I, I don't know, man. Part of me wants to see him stay at Kansas. Like Lance... Moved, did a great job at Buffalo, moved on and took what was going to be a better paying Power 5 job. And I'm certain that Nebraska would break him off. And I actually think he would do a really good job there. He's a good program builder. He's probably the kind of coach you should hire at Nebraska. But with him and Matt Campbell as kind of the names that will be thrown out there in addition to Urban Meyer. 
I get it. Um, some of the other unlikely 3-0 teams, the Kansas Jayhawks, the Washington State Cougars, the Washington Huskies may be a surprise to some people, just beat the 11th ranked team in the country. Um, Oregon State is 3-0. Rutgers is 3-0. But, um, Damn, that is really surprising. I think for me, I would probably go Syracuse sitting at 3-0. Okay. Okay. I, I think I... They started off the season beating the hell out of Louisville, yeah. who I know has lost a couple of games early. They beat UCF and then lost to Florida State in a game that was pretty close. But Syracuse thumped them week one, had a nothing burger week two, and then had Purdue in the Dome, were favorited in that game, ended up having a monster comeback with a thick six mixed in there. Garrett Schrader, their quarterback, who last year at times really struggled to throw the ball, I think is completing like 66% of his passes now. Sean Tucker should be a Heisman, should have been a Heisman Trophy candidate last year. I haven't watched a ton of them yet, but he should hopefully get some shine from this for being a great player at a university that appreciates great running backs. So I'll go Syracuse there, the fighting in East Shroffs. <laughs> Shout out. Uh, I think I'm going to go with Duke, Mike. Shutting out Temple. Man. You know, like right. Obviously, I'm a little biased. You know, uh, what's that? What's that name of our friend who uh, was on the podcast recently? Come on, it's it's Chance Lytle. Chance Lytle. Chance Lytle. Yes, Chance Lytle. Shouts out to him. Uh, and obviously, I, I mentioned during that interview, I have some friends that are on the coaching staff there at Duke, so I am kind of rooting for them. But shutting out Temple to start off the season, and then Northwestern that looked so good beating Nebraska. Uh, and and obviously North Carolina A and M, but now Mike, they are ready to challenge. What you like so much about these Kansas City uh, Kansas Jayhawks? I I, I the, and you know where I'm Nicole putting my brought money? it up. What a miss by College Game Day to not go and embrace these basketball schools. Absolutely. Being in this premier 3-0 and matchup here. Mike Elko, who came over as the defensive coordinator from Texas A&M, who was formerly at Notre Dame for a season, doing a phenomenal job there to start. It seems like there's really been a buy-in, and it's cool to see. It is absolutely cool to see. So, Duke and Syracuse, two basketball schools, cutting it up. Who would have yeah. thought? Uh, great question there. All right. Let's go with... Let's go with uh, Charlie Ferullo, favorite YouTube guilty pleasure. Now, I don't Ooh. know if you're like me on this, Brandon. Do you get down? You're a parent. You've got two kids. You've got a job. I don't know if you have time to spend as much of your late nights perusing YouTube the way that I do. But do you have a YouTube guilty pleasure? Uh, I do. I did. Uh, you know, you got to start mapping it around to the time because you'll make time. You know what I mean? For, for certain things that is a guilty pleasure and you like. But. What, I'm thinking more of a well that I continue to go back to to drink from. What are you thinking about? So mine, mine would be the same. Like if I've got a slow afternoon and I'm just really looking to nuke my brain for a little bit and I don't want to like read or watch something new, I'm going to double check my YouTube page right now to see if they're still – because you know how your main screen populates based on the algorithm. Yes. Yeah. Sure what enough, it shows up right one one of the top videos on my home screen that is very indicative of where I go back to is all forty seven God of War bosses ranked worst to best. For some reason, what? God of War is the video game that I will go and watch gameplay tutorials and videos of 
nonstop. If I am bored, going to watch him, going to watch Kratos fight dudes on there is my number one guilty pleasure. I have no idea why. I have never played the game before. I own, I own a Nintendo Switch that I basically play once every six months. Other than that, I haven't owned a video game console since 2014. And yet I find myself consistently going back to this because so many video games are movie quality in their execution now. Like, I think The Last of Us is now getting made into a movie or a TV series... Which, we'll have to have Katie Nolan on to talk about that. I know Katie's a fan of that game. But just, again, further underscoring, I have played none of these games. I used to do this with Silent Hill also. I've done this with a lot of the Marvel area games. I have a really big soft spot for video. I don't even go on Twitch and watch someone play the games live. I just watch the gameplays and really the boss fights in a lot of these. Well, that... You just revealed that you're more like a child than not because children go in there all the time and watch people play with toys instead of actually playing with them. That's what people on YouTube now do now. You can watch Dude, kids play with toys. I watch I'll grown people even, play with toys. I'll throw you an even crazier one. I was talking okay. to my mom about this on Sorry in Advance, the Golik Family Podcast that should be Shout also out. dropping today. My mom goes on Facebook and watches live stream of a woman playing slot machines at a casino. That's sick. This woman goes in, sets up a camera. But, I I mean, you can't really knock it because some version of that is happening for everyone here. Everyone's got some sort of weird voyeuristic kink like that. And my mom just happens to be because she loves playing slot machines. And so she goes and watches this person play slot machines. And this woman is apparently in the last year spent like a million dollars pumped into these slots. She's playing $100 and $200 pulls at a time. It's high-stakes stuff. But again, it's just how the internet works now. Okay, well, I'll say specifically the things I search out. This is guy Anthony Fantano, who's just music review critic, and he just like reviews all the different types of music. It's not just hip hop; it's everything. And just recently, he got uh, DM by Drake. He didn't like his last couple albums, but Drake slid into his DMs and said, "Hey, I know you. Don't, I know you don't like the projects, but I know you liked." Uh, take care and if you're reading this it's too late he's like but i know you are a vegan i want you to try out this vegan cookie recipe and drake literally went 500 words sending him this cookie recipe and say hey i hope you like it and i hope you like the next project and he just put a video of him talking about drake dming him you know it was cute but outside of that stuff mike i constantly constantly go back to unforgivable I'm always oh, watching it. Wow. I'm always watching it, Mike. I went to Levine yesterday to get some pants for me and money. I was gonna steal my hand no money. Like, I met a girl there trying on some skirts. <laughs> she said, what that smell like? She didn't know what to say. <laughs> like, honestly, like all the different versions, but that first one, Mike, like, I watch Unforgivable quite a bit. Oh my god. I told her to give me a chicken sandwich and some waffle fries for free. I said, tell that to go up there and give me a chicken sandwich and a waffle fry. Maybe a Coke to drink or something. Holy 2009-2010 internet viral <laughs> sensations. I took it to the inter- I took it to the arcade. She made a little face. I said, bitch, you ain't no nerd. Could have sworn you was. I could have sworn you. Wow. Uh, yeah. So that's where I go. All right. 
incredible <laughs> and a great use of your time because it is endlessly funny. Um, Brandon, this one from Dady J.D. Gebby. Mary fuck kill chicken beef and pork. Oh, I think that's easy for me. You gotta oh chicken beef pork. I think you have to kill beef f chick or f pork and marry chicken because you know it's all about longevity in life, and and pork will kill you. That's why you just gotta get it up in and out. It's like look a little mistress. Only play with pork very seldomly. Am I am I wild for killing pork? No, no, no. I thought you were going to go out for killing chicken. I'm gonna I'm gonna marry chicken because, like you said, we're yeah. we're playing the long game here. You can do a bunch Listen, of different stuff. You, but I, I'll we're respectable young men. Yeah, I'll fuck beef. Yeah, I think anything that you would kill, you also are probably willing to hit it and quit it. So. I kind of like that. Like, if I had a taco, if I had my tacos laid out, I usually actually do a lot of vegan tacos. Not vegan, but vegetarian, because you don't need meat when it's all those spices. But I definitely sneak in a little uh, chorizo taco every now and then with the egg, like egg and potato mm-hmm. chorizo taco. And, you know, that's that's my version of, of having a little one-night stand with pork. Chorizo is one of those things, if it's on the menu, especially in a breakfast dish, I'm almost always going to order that. I mean, you gotta taste it and enjoy it. It's a little, it's that little extra little zing to it. Start your day yeah. off, get the afterburn kicking in in the breath. It's all now. Uh, Tasty, uh, the Twitter account posted an MFK for pie cake and cookies that had a lot of people ascend. For me, that one's pretty easy. I'm easy? going to yeah, kill pie, fuck cake, marry cookies. Mike, 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 you got to come off this pie stuff. You're crazy. You're literally insane. Stop it. Stop it. It should be a difficult decision if you're thinking about killing pie first. You are a nasty, I want to cuss, and I know we cuss on this podcast, but I'm trying not to because I'm trying to be more godly. And yo, you testing me right now, killing pies. Do you know they make fruit pies and cream pies and some pies that are like chest pies? Like some, some pies are like cakes. And then Listen, oh, don't get me started with the I, cookie cake. What do you mean? Don't get me started with the cookie cake. It's great. A cookie cake is is a cookie cake is a pie. So as soon as you're getting ready to kill pies, Brandon, say goodbye to cookie cakes. Brandon, a cookie cake is not a pie. How the fuck? It's a pizza. <laughs> what are pizzas called? What no, are pizzas called? Brandon, what no, are pizzas don't called? Do that. You just it's walked your ass into it. This is it's Sparta. I'm about to kick your ass down the the, the hole because you just walked <laughs> Listen, into my trap. That's a great that's a that's a great argument, and I'm a little thrown off right now. But the one thing I would say that is a differentiator is yes, you are right, and technically it is called a pizza pie. And I'd imagine it's because you've got the crust and then you've got a filling over the top. With the cookie cake, you oh. often do not have a filling. Oh. You have an icing, which is the a reasoning. Topping. The reasoning is here. We love to hear it. Thank you. Thank you for your debate. Anyways, I think it would be very difficult. It's also to- called a cookie cake. Fuck you. <laughs> I was gonna I was waiting for you. I was waiting for you to call me out on the fact that the crazy thing is the fact that a cookie cake is a pie. <laughs> but it's not a it's not a pie. It's literally called a cake. It is a cookie. If you go to Costco's, if you go to uh, Sam's Club and you're looking for a cookie cake, you better head your ass over to, to the pies because that's where they at. 
Okay. No, They're I'm, all I'm, in the dessert section, Brandon. Don't no, do this. This is unbecoming. Dessert of you. section. Have you give, been to a Costco? Give, give it's a your warehouse. Answer. Give your answer. I think you have to kill cake. It's dense. It's heavy. And I know, I know you love your frosting, Mike. But I Fuck think you have cake. To- are you eating that is dense and heavy all the time? There is cake with a variety of different consistencies. Don't be ignorant. <laughs> Excuse me, I apologize that I didn't mention angel food cake in this argument, but, but pineapple, pineapple upside down cake. Like, I don't know. I, I know I'm losing some here, strawberry shortcake. I'm losing some stuff here, but what I'm losing in that I'm gaining in, in pie. And honestly, I could probably kill cookies and, 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 and flip that and just, you know, F a cake. Because you out here with the wildest cookie uh, preferences, Mike. The fact that you're talking about, whew, the fact that you're trying to go to bat for a crumble cookie, Mike. Oh my gosh, this is the this is the same person. You are the same person that will argue that a, a, a plastic case of frosted cookies from Meyer are the best things you ever had. You that type of dude because they're great. And if you're going to act like those cookies weren't there for you when you needed them, then congratulations. I didn't realize you were that rich, Brandon. I didn't realize that you were just walking around here coming to America style, just throwing your jewels all over Queens like it wasn't no big deal. Because apparently that's how you get down, being too good for the cookies. Too good for the frosted cookies that everyone knows and appreciates in that plastic container. And all those frosted cookies did when Crumble came along, Brandon, was they went and worked on themselves. Went and got an education. Found their way and got into a good job here. Started drinking water. Started exercising more regularly here. Met someone who appreciates all the things that they bring to the table. Values them. Hears them and cares about them. And then turned it into a cookie that, yeah, is probably a little bit overpriced. But you like In-N-Out Burger. And you talk about a hype machine that's over-amplified something that's Mike, a pretty good product. And is a good product in its own this. right. You can't come at Crumble Cookie like that if you're going to be out here clapping for In-N-Out Burger all the time. You have to stop this. I'm glad you brought up In-N-Out Burger because in this life of binary things that we argue about, and I know you didn't bring them up, but Insomnia Cookies is running marathon laps around Crumble Cookie, and it's not even fucking fair. It's not even fair, Mike. And Crumble Cookie is, is it's not even, people can't even have that big enough opinion on them because they haven't got there yet because their cookies aren't good enough yet. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it's like, are you just like you're trying to argue about cupcakes and want to bring up sprinkles? Well, guess what? Crumble cookie ain't there yet, Mike. They're not in New York yet. Like they should like, like a, like a sprinkles is or like oh, a, a so Melissa. Now, so now they've got to glow up in the ways that you deem necessary to be appreciated. Sorry. Mike, if they was good, they'd be everywhere. If they good, so they'd be this- everywhere. Guess what's everywhere. Guess what's everywhere. Subways. And guess why? Cause of them fucking cookies. Hey, Brandon. You know what's everywhere? Five guys. You know what's not? In and fucking out burger. Okay. Get okay, out of my okay. face. Okay. I if I just walked into if you just walked in my trap last this <laughs> the same topic. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to the game now. And I got oh, you to man. cuss godly over there. You did. <laughs> God, so pissed. That's how I know I got to you. Uh, at Gojo Show on Twitter, uh, at Mike Golick Jr., at Brother Brandon on Twitter. Let us know what you thought of any of these and the MFK with the cookies, the cake, and the pie because this is another thing that threatens to tear us apart here. But, Brandon, we don't want to tear people apart for too, too long. We want to bring people together. We want to unite this great nation. And we know one way to do that, and that's with our friends at Knockaround Sunglasses because we can all agree 
that looking good and having it not cost you a ton of money, it's the way you want to live. Knockaround's got polarized sunglasses that are right around $30 a pair. $30 a pair. Brandon, oh no. Don't you do it. Oh God, he's putting sunglasses on inside right now. Brandon's got some absolute murdered out knockaround sunglasses on right now. Heat. He's feeling himself. Heat, Heat check. On the head. He's going to put two pairs of sunglasses on. He's Ooh. out of control. Heat check. Heat check. Brandon's future is so bright, he needs now three pairs of sunglasses on his head right now. And if you're watching on YouTube, you'll see the wide variety of sunglasses on his head. That's because Knockaround has 15 different frames, a variety of colors, and over a billion possible combinations at the Knockaround Custom Shop. They can give you a little bit of something for everything. And again, it's not going to cost you a lot of money. Knockaround sunglasses, high-quality polarized sunglasses at a truly affordable price. Check out the huge range of shades. Go to knockaround.com, use promo code GOJO, and you'll get yourself an extra 20% off at checkout. So again, knockaround.com. Check out all the shades. Oh my God, look at Brandon's putting on yet another pair. They're incredible. Promo code GOJO. You get 20% off your purchase. Check yes. that out. Brandon, now that you're looking good and feeling good, can you answer another important question for me? Sure. Do you know what time it is? All right. Honey coming and she caught me red-handed cheating with a girl next door. Picture this, we were both this, that, and the third on the bathroom floor. How could I forget that I had given her an extra key? All this time, this, that, and the third, she never took her eyes off me. Man, <laughs> you're having a week right now, Brandon. You're, ha- you're in the middle of a bit of a heater right now. We don't walk away from the table when we're on the heater. Download, subscribe, rate, review Gojo wherever you get your podcast. Leave us a five-star rating. Tell Brandon what you think of his fine work singing and open up this, that, and the third as we give you three quick stories to end the day on here. And Brandon, we made a promise to Katie Nolan, and we're going to keep that promise and update everyone as we are on the cusp of history. Aaron Judge hit home run number 60 last night. He had a solo homer against the Pittsburgh Pirates. They end up winning that game. And now we have Aaron Judge one home run away from Roger Maris's record for the New York Yankees. It was set in 1961. It stood as the major league mark for 37 years. We know the steroid era took care of that post-haste. And now we have assigned a lot of meaning to this one because it's the Yankees, because people have this vendetta against the steroid era. Either way, I'm glad we get to see a cool thing. I'm glad now it is a veritable certainty that this is going to pop up here. And... We said all season long, between this and Albert Pujols, you had two legitimate pieces of history that were going on in a sport that reveres it so much. Going to be a cool moment here. I know the conversation is going to very quickly turn to, and I saw Jared Carabas having this conversation with Emerson on the sweat about what happens with Aaron Judge long term because you've got that whole contract thing looming over this since they weren't able to come to an agreement before the season. So, I... It would be amazing and feel idiotic for New York to let him out of there, especially. I don't know you don't want to just reward one historic season, but my God, what he is in the sport right now, for the Yankees to let him walk would be asinine. Yeah, completely asinine. This this just feels so different and special and important, and it feels like it's perfect for Aaron Judge. And if the Yankees ever get rid of that man, I don't know. Like, why? Like, you need... This is the, he's a Yankee, you know what I'm saying? Like prototype. I felt like he. I just is also don't like the idea of getting rid of the big baseball player. 
Like, Giancarlo Stanton is also on this team. And I met Giancarlo Stanton when he was Mike Stanton because he was high school football teammates with our boy Dane Christ, who was a quarterback and at Notre Dame and the most avid listener of this podcast. But Dane and Mike went to high school together. Giancarlo Stanton was a tight end at Notre Dame High School. And when we were in college, we went up to see him when he was still playing for the Marlins. They went and played the Cubs. And I hadn't met dude before. And we were standing in the lobby of the hotel we were staying at downtown in Chicago. And he walks up. And I did full, like, one of these. Giancarlo Stanton is all of, like, 6'5", 6'6", and carved out of marble. And he looks like a baby next to Aaron Judge. Really? He looks like a little boy next to Aaron Judge, who's the size of a full-grown NFL defensive end. And I just don't think you should major in letting the beef batter out of your organization. That's just a personal preference here. I know we support thick stuff on this podcast. You got the thick baller. Let the thick baller keep mashing dingers for you and prosper. It seems like a pretty easy formula. That's just free advice from a couple of guys who are dropping in on baseball season. We're here to help you out, Yankees. So, again, 60 home runs. One more to tie Roger Maris. Uh, He is also now tied with Babe Ruth for eighth place on the single-season home run list. Uh, So, Babe Ruth and Aaron Judge, two people whose physiques could not be more different if they tried. Uh, Brandon, let's get to that. Uh, That is your favorite story from this past weekend in the NFL. Mike Evans got suspended one game for going out there and shoving Marshawn Lattimore in the fight that you say Tom Brady started. Well, Tom Brady went on his Sirius XM podcast with Jim Gray, Let's Go, and said, I think sometimes emotions get the best of us. I love Mike. And the fact that Mike would come out there to defend me means everything in the world to me as a teammate and as a friend. And Mike knows how I feel about him. So in the end, emotions are a part of the sport. Sometimes they boil over, and obviously they did Sunday, and that's an unfortunate circumstance. But I don't think it deserved any type of suspension. That's ridiculous. Hopefully we can just move past this and go to a better place. Brandon, how does that make you feel? Validated, vindicated, and irate, Mike. I cannot believe... He would have the gall, the gumption. Obviously, he has the balls because he's Tom Brady. They're probably manicured perfectly. How dare he prove my point by going out there and saying, I don't think he should be suspended. Yeah, you, you're trying to you're trying to uh, cape up for the guy who caped up for you because it should have been your ass that got suspended for a game for getting into Marshawn Lattimore's face, the person that was in your face. Mike Evans, Mike Evans didn't even hear what was going on. We already t- they talked about it. It's been documented. Marshawn Lattimore and him have beef that that's ongoing, and it's you know it's been going on for a long time. It's almost like Talib Kweli, Talib Kweli, <laughs> equipped to leave, <laughs> equipped to leave, and, and Michael Crabtree. It's like the, the bad blood is there. So I don't like Tom Brady. I don't even want to hear your opinion on the matter because you just lost one of your weapons for week three, and that's on you. Lost one of your weapons, by the way, for a home game against the uh, Green Bay Packers. That's coming up, if I'm not mistaken. Ooh, talking about revenge games. Aaron Rodgers. He already got asked about that in the postgame of their win against the Bears of Mm -hmm. what this game means. And everyone's mind is just going to be waiting for if they get down around the five-yard line to see if one Aaron Rodgers takes off and two Matt LaFleur effects elects to kick a field goal at any point during the contest. Uh, can I ask you, what's going on with Aaron Rodgers' hair? He's going through it, man. <laughs> I just that's, don't. That's the hair that you get after you go ayahuasca tripping over the summer. Uh, I just don't understand why it's buzzed in the back, but I still see much, so much so much flow. 
on the sidelines. I, okay. I thought maybe honestly, you know, I, 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 I do have a I have a theory, by the way, that Aaron Rodgers is always chasing Harrison Smith's last hairstyle. Because if you go back and look at Harrison Smith, he did the short on the side with the long on the top look for a while before Aaron Rodgers did it. Harry obviously had long hair when he was at Notre Dame with us and for, I think, a little bit when he got to the NFL. And now he's got some other, like Harrison's always got really nice hairstyles. And Aaron Rodgers sees him twice a year in the NFC North. And I feel like he's just constantly, like in my mind, vibe-wise, Harrison Smith is what Aaron Rodgers wants to be because Harry pulls off the effortless, cool, mysterious sunglasses. He's quiet, but extremely effective on the field. And Aaron Rodgers, I think, has looked across the field jealously at Harrison Smith for years now and has never been able to pull off doing it's like in um, it's like in the hangover when um, Allen is like, does my hair look like Phil's? That's what uh, that's what Aaron Rodgers is constantly trying to do with Harrison Smith, and he can't pull it off as well as Harry. I'm gl- I'm so glad that you called that out and brought that to my attention because when it comes to Tom Brady and me, like understanding who he is as a person and as an entity and as a sports figure, the only person I can even think of when it comes to like somebody who checks all the boxes, but it seems always to also to be a really good guy and a great teammate is Harry. Tom's another guy that's been through a ton of hairstyles over the years. That one's pretty easy to kind of True. figure out because he's just going with whatever Giselle tells him is popular at the time. We've seen him go long hair, short hair, everything in between. Now his face is kind of weird and different looking. It's a lot happening there. So, yeah. Tom Brady coming out here and saying exactly what you'd expect, knowing that his dude went out there and rode for him. And like you said, Mike Evans didn't really need much of a push on this because he already wants to hit Marshawn Lattimore all the time and vice versa. But he's going to miss a pretty important game. The Packers and the Bucks are both different levels of beat up at this point. And I'm not sure this matchup is going to be indicative of the teams that we see at the end of the year vying for likely the NFC Championship. But it's still going to be a good measuring stick for both sides and what direction they're trending right now. And they've already been dealing with Chris Godwin being injured early in the year. Now they're going to be dealing with Mike Evans. So Julio Jones, I hope you've been drinking some of that TB12 super serum because they're going to need you coming up this weekend. Uh, But Brandon, speaking of drinking, got to finish this off. The Las Vegas Aces had their championship parade yesterday and shut down lanes on the strip it looked like a full-blown party. We saw and talked about yesterday, Kelsey Plum, Chelsea Gray, and all these ballers out here. But man, the hero of the celebration for me is the Las Vegas Aces' very own Asia Wilson, who has been out here, outside, this entire celebration time. We documented some of it yesterday, but she went and capped it off with a tweet at 8.14 a.m. yesterday morning, saying simply, where the four locos at and that is a woman who not only appreciates history and understands the drinks that made this nation both great and extremely dangerous for a time in the early aughts but also wants to celebrate this championship in a way that i can truly appreciate torian smith was one of our teammates who famously flipped into the end zone when he picked up a fumble for a scoop and score against navy and when asked about it after the game asked about why he didn't act like he had been there before, said in the interview, people say act like you've been there before. I act like I'm never going back. Mm. And Asia Wilson is on a team right now that seems to have a lot of great chances to be perennially at the top of this sport. 
She is celebrating this championship like she is never going back. And I got to say, Brandon, if you're putting together a top five list of athletes that you want to party with, Asia Wilson's got to be in anybody's top five. Oh, 100%. Easy. With Kelsey Plum right there next to her. Asia and Kelsey. I was trying to think of who else would stick out into that. Like, that's not the obvious ones. Because Gronk's always going to be in there. He just seems like he would truly... He doesn't party like a rich guy. Like, I was working through some names. James Harden, because of his background and his fame at strip clubs, you would think. But I don't feel like he'd be a fun guy to party with. I feel like he'd be hard to party with. He'd be trying to just do his thing, play iso ball in the club. And you don't want that. You want a teammate that's going to be with you in this situation. So, NBA-wise... I want Mikel Bridges, who has famously been a guy that bops around to a lot of like Arizona bars. There was that video of him yes. with a group in a bar in Arizona singing Mr. Brightside Karaoke, which yes. maybe that's just targeted to me and the other whites who always get going for that song. But either way, want to party with that guy. I would say there, it seems like there's a distinction between somebody who's good in any party and then good in a party that they're throwing. Because I mentioned this on Twitter. I just saw Shake It Off for the first time, Taylor Swift's music video. Mm. She seems like a fun hang, Mike. She seems like a fun hang. And I, I, this is the first time I'm getting there. Like, and I know it's just a music video, but I was, I was a little impressed. Five, Brandon. six years late. Hey, you know what? God's timing is perfect, Brandon. Welcome to the game. We're happy to have you. <laughs> and, on the, on, and one day when this podcast really blows up and we somehow manage to catch Taylor Swift's attention... Or next summer, when I spend irresponsible amounts of money on going to Taylor Swift's concert series that I'm sure is going to be announced in the next couple of months here, maybe we'll run into her there and we'll have a chance to try and party, not with Taylor, because there's no way in hell we're ever going to get that close, but at least in the general vicinity of Taylor. Hey, I don't know. I think you got you to gotta, you gotta dream out loud. You got to dream out loud, Mike. I think we're going to meet Taylor Swift again, because, you know, there was that run-in back in college. <laughs> I forget about that so much that we were mere feet from Taylor Swift, who came to our football practice when we, what was that, sophomore year? Yeah, I was, I was a lot closer because I was injured at that point in time. I had, a, I had a concussion in practice, so I was on the bike over there with Rudy and some other people, and Taylor Swift walked over there, and I'll say it to anyone, she smelled like sweet and spicy cotton candy. I had never smelled anything like it before. It was so crazy to me. Honestly, I don't know what to do. She came over to us. She knew the situation. She looked at all of us in the eyes, and she walked by, and she said, hope everyone gets well soon. And I was like, oh, my God. Taylor Swift and that if you remember that practice Golden Tate ran a route and then ran right over to her and started talking to her and Charlie coach Weiss was like get us get your ass over here and he was like no it, Brandon uh, it wasn't a route it was during warm-ups we didn't get to start oh, warm-ups yes. because Golden had run over to go shake Taylor Swift's hand which at the time I wasn't a big Swifty at that point in my college career I've said 2012 when Red came out I Knew You Were Trouble, 22, all those great songs that were blasting in the bar when I was there. That was really when I started to make that shift, and I didn't have a full Basically. appreciation. Taylor Swift's younger brother had been at Notre Dame at the time. That was Austin the tie-in Swift. here, is he had been a student at Notre Dame, and so Taylor came by to see football practice in 2009, and it was a sea of people arguing over who she had looked over at, or who made eye contact with her, or who she waved at, and then Gold 
Golden went over there for the handshake, but what that is up there as missed opportunities for me to interact and say hello to a person that I now revere as a superstar. That's up there with the day I missed John Stewart coming in as a guest on Mike and Mike when I was hosting the radio show before Mike and Mike wow. because I thought it was I read the guest list and thought surely this is Jonathan Stewart, the Panthers running back at the time because why would the Daily Show's John Stewart be at ESPN forgetting that he was a part of the Invictus games that were being talked about at the ESPYs and so yes. he was there to promote that and the man who I had listened to my entire life on the Daily Show was mere feet away from me in another studio and I decided to go home and sleep so John Stewart and Taylor Swift both up there Taylor obviously number one but John Stewart a very close number two of my life regrets I, I don't want to uh, completely poo poo on the, the Swift family but Austin had a, a tattered time at Notre Dame. He he came in, went to the best dorm, off off rip, best man's dorm at the time. That's not important. Y'all don't care. It was Duncan Hall, though. Um, and then for two years, got made fun of in the Keenum Review, which is a SNL skit that uh, a dorm puts on every year. And actually, I think he, he basically almost – he got some legal action. Basically, he made it so you couldn't say his name in the Keenum Review. And then he left. And he was like, I'm out of here and went to Vanderbilt – but his ass came right back when it's time to graduate from Notre Dame. So, uh, shouts out to to the finesse king. Hey, listen, nothing but love for my president because I won't say a damn thing wrong about the Swift family here. That <laughs> is how we get down and operate on this podcast here. We appreciate all you guys getting down and rocking with us all the way to the end of this thing. If you liked it, you know the deal. Download, subscribe, rate, review. Tell your friends about it. Steal their phones. Subscribe to it on there. Hit on the automatic downloads. Go to YouTube. Check out our interview with Ezekiel Elliott that's going to be up on the DraftKings YouTube page under the Gojo with Michael Jr. channel. And make sure you lock in on that. Give us a bunch of thumbs ups. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.